following message is from a guest speaker of Emmanuel Community Church. More information about the ministry of Emmanuel Community Church can be found at emmanuelcommunity.org. This morning, um, I'm usually very exegetical when it comes to preaching, but uh, when it comes to actually going through a text and preaching, but I think for the sake of this weekend, I am going to be a little bit more thematic because I'm really hoping to hone in on what Christian, uh, what scripture says about how we are called to live, how to actually use this tool that we've been going through uh, uh, this weekend for our growth. And so those of you online, uh, I encourage you to check out the recordings in the future and hopefully uh, you'll be able to find this tool helpful for your own spiritual growth as we uh, desire to bear God's image through our lives. And so if you turn with me, or you can read along with me, uh, to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. The Word of God says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we're so, again, grateful to be together in this space to be able to retreat away from the busyness of life and create sacred space with you here at this place. And so God, even in this final Sunday morning, as we spend time in your word and we're just reflecting on the different ways you've engaged with the tool, Lord, we, we don't want you just grow in knowledge. We want to grow in Christ's likeness. Paul, that's how we bear witness. That's how the world sees who you are. It's through us. And so, Father, we pray uh, for your spirit to just guide this time. Let your word challenge us so that you, your words can speak into us and that we would be able to bear witness of who you are and the change that you are doing in us to your glory in this world. We thank you. Christ and you pray. Amen. Have you ever given a gift to someone that um, didn't receive it well? I remember early on in our marriage, one of the things that uh, Sarah wanted me to do that I wasn't used to was to scratch her back. Any back scratchers like love that feeling in their backs? Um, I don't know. It's a real thing. Love that feeling. And I realized quickly early on that 
I didn't like that feeling in my fingertips. <laughs> um, that feeling of that uh, scratching my fingertips, I'm just like, ah, but it's not my skin, it's just my shirt. <laughs> and so I thought to myself, you know what would be a great practical gift for my wife? A back scratcher. Yeah, that when I'm not there, or even when I am there and I don't want to, she can just, she can just use it. And I remember when I gave it to her, because I remember how, how I thought, I thought that, this, that she would be thrilled by getting this thoughtful gift. That I, I see you, I see you, I know that this is something that you need. I pay attention to you. And thinking that this gift would be like, wow, you know me, kind of thing. But um, I really, literally at that time, I, I thought it was going to be a home run gift. I'm like, man, I can't wait. I can't wait to give this to her. <laughs> so when it was her birthday, you know, and I gave it to her. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't remember what she said, <laughs> but I remember her face. <laughs> And basically, her face said, are you serious? <laughs> That's when I realized that just because you try to do something in love doesn't mean you actually reach the other person. You know, and this sense of loving people on your own terms doesn't mean that love is actually received by the other person. And I think this tends to be um, the tendency of much of humanity and how we function. You know, I know there are tools like the five love languages, but over time, even in my experience with that tool, it doesn't really get to the nitty gritty of how to reach the other person well. And often we realize that we tend to love people on our own terms. We impose a way of loving that doesn't actually sometimes reach the other person. And that's where I think this Enneagram tool that we've been going through this weekend can be helpful. It helps us understand who a person is and how God designed them. And in understanding that, we can learn how to love each other, love others uniquely in a way that actually reaches them. But the problem is, is that it takes work to love like that. To love others in a way that's sometimes not natural to our own wiring. And it's not just human effort to be able to do that. What we actually see in the scriptures is that love that reaches people comes from God. First uh, John chapter four, verse seven that we read earlier, it said, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Love comes from God. It is a fruit of the Spirit, meaning our ability to love and reach others in ways that we're not used to is a spiritual act. Love comes from God. And what you'll realize when you get more familiar with Enneagram is that understanding that we 
bear God's image and understanding that others bear God's image isn't enough. That understanding, it isn't enough because we're simply not just called to understand other people. It's not what the scriptures call us to do. It calls us to love others, to love others. And in doing so, loving others involves our, our own human effort of love to be transformed. It needs to be transformed by God, meaning our love that we offer has its limits. If, when we try to love in our own strength or impose our own way, it has its limits. And so to love another person, to reach them, that goes beyond our natural wiring. Uh, it's something that God has to transform. And so as he transforms our love, we can actually become that tangible expression of God's love that reaches other people. You know, as much as we understand, that us as believers, that Christ frees us from our self-centeredness, our selfish desires, and our selfish habits that have enslaved us, and Christ frees, frees us from that, that intentionality to love takes much more than knowledge alone. And, you know, I'll just be going over a few things with you that I believe that it takes for our love to actually transform in a way that reaches others. The first being that it takes humility for our love to transform. It takes humility for our love to transform. You know, when you engage in some of the practical aspects of the Enneagram, um, you realize that it's, it's not easy to live out some of the things that are involved to reach other people. Uh, this humility that is involved in, in what you're able, when you're unable to do in your own strength. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday when Sarah and I were sharing. But let me give you an example of what I mean. You know, in your packets, um, there's this section there called Understanding Them. And one of the sections there is Ways to Improve Communication with the Type 8 Spouse. And every type of, if you've been able to read through it, um, in that section called Understanding Them. When I first read it, um, it was like, I found myself not wanting to do some of these things. And, you know, here's the list that was suggested. It says for me, to reach, to improve my communication is to keep your comments brief, purposeful, clear, and direct. Allow the eight to respond whenever they feel the need, and do not be intimidated by their strong stance. They want you to stand your ground and work through the situation with them. Demonstrate that you are loyal and protective of them and will go the extra mile to back them up with help. Speak with intention. Eight value honesty and directness. Ask the eight clarifying questions to assess where their heart really is versus incorrectly assuming. Their direct and intense communication style doesn't mean they're against you. And so, I, you know, there are things I feel that, um, that I do naturally, naturally well when I run this list. Um, I do think, um, Sarah, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, I am loyal and protective of her. Uh, I do go that extra mile, thank you for nodding, um, to back them up, back her up with, with help. But the things that I don't do naturally well 
that first one there. Keep comments brief and clear. Uh, and then you know me, and maybe you, you felt that this past uh, weekend, is that, you know, I, it's something that I just don't do well, is to be succinct. And it's like, I'm not in the clouds communicator. You know, I'm just kind of like, this is kind of what I'm saying, you know? And then she's always just like looking at me, she's like, say what you mean, say what you mean. <laughs> it's, and, and she gets it, you know, it was just an angry thing. It's just like, ah, this is so frustrating. It's so hard. And so I just don't do that naturally well. Um, and she gets frustrated. Also in that second uh, suggestion, it says to stand my ground. And so, as, as a six, I, I stand my ground to an extent, and I too can be stubborn because of my, I value my comfort, I value uh, standards, uh, a certain standard that I feel is efficient, that's comfortable for me, but to work through a situation on the spot, uh, that is not my tendency. Uh, as a six, in general, um, uh, and again, uh, crazy that aren't familiar with the, the Enneagram to, uh, to look through this. Uh, as a six, when I feel insecure, what I do is I say my piece and then I walk away. <laughs> and this whole idea of like, I, I, I wouldn't do it often. I would just say what I needed to say and I wouldn't stand there and I would either walk away or there are times, especially early on in a marriage, I would say something and get in my car and just drive off. Um, and you know, it isn't even a thing where it's like, I, you know, Sarah will get firm with me, but it's not even that her content was wrong. I just feel, I feel disrespected because of the intensity. And because of that, I, I react to it. And we kind of went through that whole thing yesterday. But to walk away in the midst of conflict, I mean, for AIDS that are out there, just makes them so angry. Um, but to reach her is to learn how to stay. Learn how to stay and to see how she's wired and not choose to respond how I normally do. But I would say this, within this whole, uh, all these suggestions, the hardest thing for me to do is this last one, is to ask clarifying questions uh, where, and to assess where their heart really is versus incorrectly assuming. I'm awful at this. I'm awful at this because the, her, her direct, intense communication, it really does feel that she's totally against me. And that's how it makes me feel. And so I react defensively. And I'll blow things up even more than what it needs to because in, in, in reality, it's actually, I, I end up saying very unnecessary and hurtful words. And so, and this is what I mean by the humility of things is that it's to acknowledge what you cannot do naturally. It's to acknowledge that there's things in my natural response uh, that, uh, in my natural spot that doesn't actually reach people. And so there's a sense of having the humility to actually decondition and recondition how we love people particularly. So whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child or someone in your family, whether it's a friend or a coworker that you have a hard time caring about naturally, uh, what might you need to humbly acknowledge that you don't do well naturally? And what I want you to do, especially as you leave this place, is I want to encourage you to read that section on understanding that, especially when you think about 
people that maybe you might know their type but are trying to explore their type because you're not sure who they are, but to read through them and think, what don't I do well naturally? Because transforming how we're going to love someone will take some humility to acknowledge, I can't do this. I'm unable to do this. I don't naturally like to do this. And as we own those shortcomings in humility, with humility, we can actually be on a path for our love to transform. And that's really the goal that we desire. But it, it won't just take humility. Uh, secondly, it will take action for our love to transform. It takes action for our love to transform. You know, one of the realities of believing in the gospel is that, as we mentioned on Friday, we're a new creation. We are a new creation. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And what that means for us as, as believers is that we are no longer bound or enslaved by sin or bad habits. We are new creations. God has given us his Holy Spirit, and we are able to act. We are actually able to bear fruit. And what you realize when you actually look through the scriptures that the language of change, the language of change when you read the scriptures, when it comes to our personal life, our personal life, it's not that we pray for change. And I want us to think about that. It's not that we pray for change, meaning for life change to occur for the believer. We don't see in the scriptures that we have to pray for our hearts or pray for our desires to change. The scriptures actually don't say that. And I think some of us, we grow up with this understanding that my heart has to change first in order for my habits to change as someone that already believes in Jesus. I know for a long time that I function, uh, I functionally pray that way as a believer, praying that God needs to change my heart, that he needs to change my sinful habits. And, it's, and I'm doing it through prayer, as if you only have to do prayer alone, and that's when it happens. But the scriptures, when you read it, they assume that if you are in Christ, if you have put your faith in Christ, you can now act. You can act in ways that you couldn't in the past. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. You see, Paul here, he doesn't beat around the bush in helping us understand and, uh, how to understand change in our lives. He doesn't say, pray for change for, to happen in your heart. He actually just says, he assumes that you have Christ, if you're a believer. You have Christ, therefore, or you believe in Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then God resides in you. If you have put your faith in him, the Holy Spirit, and God himself resides in us as believers. You have and so he says, walk, walk, that is active, that is a verb, walk. 
act. You are not in bondage anymore. You are not enslaved anymore. Think of yourself in such a way because that is the reality of who you are in Christ. So act because you are not enslaved. You may have bad habits, but the way to break these old habits is to claim identity in Christ and what we have. In Christ, we are new creations, and so therefore, we can act. We can do it because we're not in bondage. And I think that's important. And we actually read this earlier in Galatians chapter um, uh, 20, or chapter 5 and 22 and 23, but I'm going to add that verse 24 there. I didn't write that in the slide there, but it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this is what it says, and verse 24 it says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see, Paul here, when you read it carefully, he understands that the flesh with its passions and desires, they don't have control anymore. They don't, you're not enslaved to them anymore. Those who belong to Christ, the flesh no longer controls you. It doesn't mean that fleshly desires don't exist, but if you are in Christ, it does mean that it's not your greatest desire. And so, what you want, we can understand is that we can bear fruit because we have the Spirit. And as believers, then, it's a choice. It's ultimately a choice to take action to bear fruit in our life. So now, what does it mean now? What does it mean in light of seeing others with love? For our love to transform, it isn't simply to pray for God to help us, to, to, to change us, though prayer is a vital part of that. I'm not dismissing the need for prayer. But primarily, we are to claim that we do have the Holy Spirit if we're believers in Christ. Believe that it's in, He is in you. He resides in us. And therefore, we can take action to love. We can love in a way that is not natural, natural to us. We have that ability. Because the Spirit resides in us. So He calls us to act, to walk. I think sometimes we caught up, I can't do it. And so then we just said, oh, we, we get into this mentality that, um, you know, just a, a, a posture of resignation. I can't do that. I need more forgiveness. No, you're already forgiven. We're already forgiven. We can keep trying to transform because he's given us a spirit. I mean, it's, the grace is needed, but we can't just sit in that grace and not act. He gives us, he empowers us. I think sometimes as believers, we forget that. We just soak in the grace but never act on what we have in the Spirit. And so, in doing so, as we depend on God to help us, we can pray to help us to act and do these specific things. And that's why I encourage you that you, to use the, 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 uh, the, the suggestions that you see of understanding them. Read through it. Think about what have I difficulty doing? When it comes to this kind of person. Look at them and then choose to say, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try. Because not only does it take humility or it takes 
action for our love to transform. Lastly, uh, it takes endurance. It takes endurance for our love to transform. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 4, it says, Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I really like how Paul understands the process of transformation uh, for the believer. You know, the early church in Rome, they, uh, they were a minority in Rome. You know, we live in a context where believers are really the majority, but in Rome at that time, believers were the minority. They were the minority group, and so they faced persecution because of their faith because they wouldn't worship, worship the gods at that time. They wouldn't take part in the sacrifices that they were expected to do as those that were living in the Roman Empire. And so Paul, he spells out that the suffering that they experienced from their persecution would develop this muscle of endurance, this ability to keep going, keep trusting God in the midst of what you're going through, through the discomfort. And then he says, endurance produces uh, Endurance produces character. It produces character. Without the ability to endure and persevere in the midst of suffering, to keep going even when it's comfortable, character cannot be produced. It cannot be produced without keep going and trying and trying again. And I believe that principle really still applies in the same way when it comes for our love to transform. That we are trying to produce character, Christ-like character, character that goes beyond ourself, our natural wiring, bearing fruit of love that actually reaches another person that we naturally can't do on our own. It comes when we build endurance, that we keep going, that we keep trying, we keep trying to practice these suggestions, that, and going through that discomfort of what's not natural, even failing it at times, but we keep trying because as we do that, endurance then makes room for character to grow. Okay? It, 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 it creates room for love, real love, Christ-like love, spirit-filled love that can transform our own natural way of loving. You know, I think endurance is probably the most difficult of muscles to develop. Um, just playing basketball yesterday, <laughs> I'm feeling it now. Uh, this morning, I was like, oh my gosh. First time I played in three years. Um, it's, uh, I was, I was, when I was playing, and I was like, I was staring at my wife, and she's, she's, she was just wide-eyed, like, you're going to pass out. <laughs> and I was running, I felt it. I was like, man, my lungs have not felt like this in a long time. And I was just like trying to go back and forth. And uh, Steve, he kept saying, hey, it was, that game was 11. He's like, let's play the 16. You know, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? We play two, and then we get to 16. He's like, hey, let's play the 21. And I'm like, bro, please, can't, please stop. In my mind, I didn't say it out loud. I didn't say it out loud because I was trying to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, let's do it. You know, not trying to show my cards, but in my, in my mind, I was like, oh my God, you're dying. Um, because building endurance is hard. Like once, even now, it's just like, man, this is the last time I want to play basketball. Uh, I don't want to do that again. I, even right now, these aches and pains. I'm like, I don't miss this. And uh, and 
So the, the practice of endurance, trying, it's hard. It's like working out, running, getting to that, that, that place where it becomes natural. It's very difficult. And so all the more that when it comes to loving others in a way that's not natural to us, it's hard to keep going. It's hard to want to keep trying to love in a way that you just can't do. Maybe you just rather adjust your life so you can minimize these situations, right? Once in a while, I can kind of figure out a way where I'll just deal with it once in a while by avoiding conflict. But to have that humility, to take action and love in ways in order to reach them, it's hard to keep trying to do that over and over again. But endurance is needed for character to develop. To develop. You can't, you can't get it. You can't, you can't bypass that process. Paul knew that. Paul knew that, and that's why he gives such great words of wisdom. But yet, at the same time, I think it's a natural response to not want to. That's a natural reaction. But as Christians, as believers, we can bear fruit. We can because we have the Holy Spirit, and we ought to care. We ought to care about our witness of Christ through our lives. We need to practice endurance. We need to keep trying in the midst of discomfort so that Christ-like character can be produced in our life. And we can be able to bear and, and testify of transforming power. And I think, honestly, that's what the world lacks seeing about believers today. It's just how it is in San Francisco. So skeptical of every believer. Why? Because they're the ones that create lines. They don't get into the city to actually bear witness, to care about the good. They're the ones who create lines, stay in their holy huddles. And until they see transformative work, and we can actually testify, not just that Jesus has saved us, but we are bearing fruit. I'm a different person. I'm loving. I would never care about justice and care about these things if Jesus didn't work in me. Until we actually bear fruit and act in those ways, uh, it takes endurance, it takes trying, trying so that Christ-like character can be produced and we can actually be able to transform our love for others. You know, my wife and I, we've been married now for 14 years. And six of our years were here, uh, here at I, or six of our, yeah, six of our years were here uh, at ICC and we've been in San Francisco for the last eight and a half years now. And let me tell you, just learning how to love each other, uh, to reach each other, to see each other for who we are, uh, and how God made each of us, you know, even as we're trying to just share a bit yesterday, it's been, we've, we've had a journey. It's been a journey uh, for us. I think early on in our marriage, and Sarah alluded, it, alluded to it yesterday, here at ICC early on, um, we had such a difficulty reaching each other. Um, we didn't know about any grand back then. We had no tools. And at that time, we just constantly imposed our standards on each other, and we only saw the negative, we only saw selfishness. We weren't even trying to, we were, and we see selfishness, and we see our own selfishness, and then in this mind of just, I just gotta keep repenting of it. 
even though that's part of that process, it was an inability to move forward, just always feeling bad. And, you know, some of us, uh, some of you guys were back here, or were here back then, and there was, I remember, a, spe a specific Sunday where we came from a bad night um, and a bad morning driving to church. I mean, I'm sure some of you families have had that just like, Screaming! Did you go to church? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real life family. Um, but we came in with our, you know, with our hearts on our sleeve. And um, I remember this one time, you know, um, Alice was Alice. Alice, Alice. I don't even know if you remember this. But it was a Sunday where when we, we got to church here, um, hearts on our sleeve. We didn't even sit next to each other uh, that Sunday. Um, Alice just came reading Sarah's face and um, just hugged, just hugged and held her in her tears from that morning. And I remember that because it was just so rough. It was rough. We didn't, we couldn't even reach each other, and we would just have these bouts all the time. And I was talking about Sarah. Uh, I was talking with Sarah the other day. Uh, and when, when did you feel my love actually change? When, when did that happen? Is there a moment? And, you know, it wasn't a magical moment. That's the one thing that we realized. Like, it wasn't this magical moment where it happened. It just really happened over time. And she remembers that I was just gradually showing more affection. Um, that I didn't in the past, whether it was just an arm around her, uh, or if it was just me choosing not to step back after she came with her intensity. Uh, it's just gradual over time. And then on my side, even how I try to remember it, is I remember that I just made a commitment just to try. I'm gonna try to you know, keep trying to reach and see if this muscle actually develops. And eventually over time, she was able to experience that change. I didn't know, but even talking to her, it's just like, there's no moment, it just kind of happened. And even now, even though it's not perfect, it's not, um, it's still, it still, it does feel more natural. My actions feels more natural, but it has to do with the endurance of it. Keep trying, keep trying. My, to experience my love transform is an act of God because I know my limits. I know what I what I can do. And um, I knew what I couldn't back then. And it's just interesting, it's just crazy to see how much God has been able to do that work in me right now. And, and this isn't just for marriage. That's what I'm saying. With anyone, any relationship that we have in our life, maybe you have difficult parents that you just, you know, they, they just know how to do it. <laughs> they know how to get on your nerves. And, but to be able to understand them and understand the type of even be able to think through the tool of what you need to do, what you realize that you're not able to do, invite God into that process so that you can act, can be such a beautiful thing. Because as you build that endurance and persevering, practicing love in a way that you're not used to or wired to, character of love that truly reflects who God is can be produced.
use. Your love can transform anew, and we can actually bear witness of God's love, not our limited love, but God's love to uh, God's love in our lives. Brothers and sisters, loving other image bearers involves our love to be transformed by God. It must be. He has to transform. He is love. And our love only goes so far. He is love, and we need to allow him to do that transformative work in our lives. But it takes humility. It takes action. It takes endurance. But all of it is possible because we as believers have the Holy Spirit. He resides in us. This is the beauty of God is that he didn't leave it to ourselves, but he chose to give him himself so that we would be able. But he calls us to act. I pray that you claim all that is yours in Christ so that you can be God's image in this world and that you would be able to see other people in his image that through our lives, through the transformation that he can produce in us, that the world can see his goodness through us, and that the world would actually know and worship our creator, our savior, because he is living and they see. We can actually be that angled mirror that reflects who God is into the world. They would see us and know that there is a God that exists Let's pray again.